What is up, everybody? We are back on episode six of In the Weeds, and we have local legend Phil Davis on the pod. First and foremost, Phil, thanks for making time. I know it's not easy and coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. Um, So we kind of gave Phil a little bit of a background on the show, and uh, we know a little bit about a little. You fortunately got some pretty sa- savage fight fans um sitting here too so yeah, yeah. i think I'm about this one for sure yeah i think <laughs> we we've got uh we've we've each got some good questions up our sleeve we want to get to but um we want to dive back into i guess the early days and in the weeds days and and i feel like your story to becoming a champ is probably one of the better ones of really fighting through the weeds and and all the turmoil and uh uncomfortableness and struggle to go through so we're excited to have a different uh, a viewpoint and different guest like you on here. So Thanks. I know you're a Penn State guy. You grew up in Pennsylvania. Yep. So yep. I figured going back to, okay. to those days, research. Like, yeah. Talk to us. Talk to us about Pennsylvania and growing up there. Uh, Pennsylvania is great, man. It's uh, it's nice and green year round. Lots of lots of rain, uh, snow. I miss the seasons. Uh, all that good stuff, man. I, I really love Pennsylvania. I wish I could move back, but at this point, I'm just I'm not. Yeah, I'm it, not. <laughs> it was a little little town, right? Uh, it's well, Harrisburg. It's a, Harrisburg yeah, right? it's a medium town. It's about just about a hundred thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and you were you? I mean, you probably get asked this quite a bit. Did you come from a family of of fighters or fighting background? Or no? Oh, was that man. part of your growing no? My up? parents are like the furthest thing from fighters. Really? They're, oh man, my parents are. They're just not fighters at all. That's crazy. I mean, they're not even big arguers. Really? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> No. So so, where did it? Uh, I guess where did it come across you? I know I know wrestling was a big part of it, but how did it come come in front of you? If you were right, with- so I uh, I grew up wrestling, and um, I just kind of actually just kind of fell into. I got into fighting the, pretty much the same way I got into wrestling, completely by accident. And I got into wrestling because in seventh grade I had one friend, and he said, uh, "Phil, can you just?" Uh, Come out for the wrestling team with me. I'm like, dude, I'm not going out for a wrestling team. I'm gonna be honest with you, it looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he goes, Nah, man, you don't you don't have to like do it. You just have to like come with me. And I just don't want to be alone. Just you can just sit and watch the wrestling, watch us try out, and you know whatever. So I went, and the coach uh, was like, No, no, you can't sit on the side. You gotta you gotta try out. I was like, I don't want to try out. I don't want to make the team. Good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> good. Cut me down. <laughs> and uh, he was like, nah, 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 you can't. So anyhow, I ended up, ended up practicing. And I came home. on a, It was a Wednesday. And I come home that night. And I remember my mom was like, well, it's, you know, it's Wednesday. Just finish the week. If you don't like it, you can quit. And I, I promise you, I, I forgot to quit. And so... <laughs> Yeah, just like that. I was terrible. I was terrible. It wasn't like I was good either. I was. I was also terrible. I, <laughs> are, are you still buddies with the with that guy? No, he, <laughs> we we fell apart. Me and his younger brother are, are oh, really okay. close. Really, really close. Talk to him every day. Oh, that's funny, man. Yeah. So were your parents supportive when you when you decided, hey, I'm gonna? Well, you forgot to quit, but when you decided, I'm gonna keep doing this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah surprisingly enough, I went uh, probably zero and two my first year. But it wasn't even like a real 0-2 because I was backup JV, so I had like exhibition matches. Right. So you would go out before the duel meet and wrestle some dude, not even your weight. If he like looked kind of like your weight, you would wrestle this guy. And so 
I didn't even have a real record. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I didn't even exist the first year. But what what kept you there? I mean, if you you didn't want to go in the first place. You forgot to quit. But I mean, what kept you going? Because obviously, you're still showing up on time. You're still doing all the right. work. So what's keeping you there? Well, I mean, everybody at that age, everybody at that age is looking for the same thing. They're, they're looking for a group to belong to. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, uh, that team camaraderie, even in a big group or a small group. Uh, whatever it is, they're they're looking to connect with people their age, people they can depend on and count on and have closeness, interaction. Right. right. And luckily I found that in a wrestling team that I I mean, I loved the team. I hated the sport. And then <laughs> I went to a, I convinced my parents to let me go to a wrestling camp. And it was expensive and nobody in my family ever did any sports camps. My brothers were, they were kind of into sports, but not that much. They didn't want to do extra work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I convinced my mom, went to a, a sports camp. My dad drove me up to Lock Haven University. And, man, it was it was like transformative. I was in there with a bunch of other kids. We did nothing but wrestle for 24-7 for about, uh, I don't know, about six days. No way. Man. Yeah. I came back and I was like sixteen and one that next year. Damn. My brother was like, "Oh, this this wrestling shit is cool." (laughs) (laughs) So my brother was like, he was a junior in high school when I went out for the wrestling team. Then he started wrestling because of me, and uh, he ended up being pretty pretty good. Not like great, but pretty good. And that's saying a lot for starting Mm -hmm. your junior year. And. uh, and, uh, and so after that, I just I, I started to really excel in wrestling. Damn. Was there a point where you were like, um, like the aha moment, I'm good at this? Was mm. it like a match or a certain practice? Because some, some, there's sports, you know, like that you'll have a good round of golf or a good basketball. You're like, fuck, I think I'm good at this. Because you said in the beginning, mm-hmm. like, I'm not good at this. Was there a point where you're like, okay, I think this is, this is it? Well, it's funny you say that. I got that moment in a, at a weird time. I was uh, my freshman year was my brother's senior year, mm-hmm. and my pretty much my whole life, my 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 brother's been just beating my ass, you know. <laughs> and it's just uh, I don't, can I say that? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right, all right. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so, it, and uh, by by my freshman year in high school, I was I had wrestled enough and had gotten enough strength through the sport of wrestling. You got to do push-ups every practice. I do extra after practice and over the summer. I just I was getting pretty strong. And we were wrestling sometime during that year. He challenged me to a wrestling match. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to wrestle you. He said, no, 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 no. We need to wrestle. Coach said, we need to have a match. So we got somebody to like to time us. And we did a, a, a full match. And I... Ended up breaking his nose. Oh, no <laughs> way. I was beating him. And then I broke his nose. And then he he decided, you know, to stuff his nose with toilet paper, come back, finish the match. And I just torched him after that. It was it was bad. <laughs> then he wanted to fight me. <laughs> so then so then like everybody's like, oh wow, what do we do? The two brothers. And they're bigger than us. <laughs> so then we were, we were like inches from fighting, but then he didn't want to fight because I beat him too. You know what I mean? It was oh, I was like, you know what? If I can beat my brother, I'm just this is it. 
Was is your brother bigger than you? Yeah, he's really he's bigger. Uh, no, I, I was bigger, but it was he was just a lot older, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, as, no. so I, uh, as a freshman, you were already bigger than your brother. Yeah. So I wrestled one seventy one, and he mm-hmm. wrestled one sixty. Oh, but he was like, you know, he was yeah. fit. And it, it was just you had one brother. Or you had other. I have, I have an oldest brother. He, he didn't do any. Well, he played tennis. So you, you didn't wrestle <laughs> him too. Nah, he, Take all the brothers down. Nah, he, yeah, I would. And then up to the dad. He, he would just. He would just fall straight down. He, he would. And, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong. Wrestling is really big in Pennsylvania, right? Oh, wrestling is yeah. biggest in Pennsylvania. That's, that's it is absolutely wrestling is especially in my area, central Pennsylvania, which mm-hmm. is uh, just west of Philly and like. Two hours east of Pittsburgh, so it's kind of right central. Mm-hmm. That is like the epicenter of like mm-hmm. badass wrestlers. What, what, how'd that start? It didn't start with me. <laughs> how, how'd you know that? Where'd you hear that? I just know a bunch of wrestlers. That are like, you know, following the sport of mm-hmm. MMA, you hear about all the wrestlers. It's usually either like Minnesota, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Those states are usually big as far as producing high level uh, wrestlers, Olympic caliber wrestlers, too. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah, man, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, yeah. if you're able to like compete high school level at a high level. I yeah, mean, you're you're a, pretty good. Yeah, mm. on my on my club team, on my travel team, we had we always joke that it's so so much harder to be a state champion in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. than it is to be a national champion in college. We had like the three state champions, nine Division One national champions, Damn. and two Holy Olympians. Shit. No way. Yeah. Wow. On on a travel team. On a travel team. I didn't even know they had like AAU teams for wrestling, man. That's well, they thing. do have AAU, but AAU is terribly weak in wrestling. Really? Yeah. It's weak. So this is just interstate, just in Pennsylvania, these teams. Well, no, we no. No. No, we oh. take our act on the road. Boy. Really? Man. Yeah. No, we went to well, this is like we go down to like Oklahoma, Florida, uh I mean all over. All over, yeah. Damn. All over US. So I mean, I gotta ask because you took an interest in the basketball hoop here in the mm-hmm. in the studio. Um, did you play any other sports or? Uh, I played tennis and I ran cross country for wrestling. Oh no way! Yeah, to stay conditioned, stay in shape. Well, uh, I felt I was getting a little little chubby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was getting a little getting the snacks on the side, so I started running uh, cross country. I think my junior year. Uh, to keep me under the 189, 189-pound marker. Hmm. I was getting close to it, and I needed to stay. Sure. Yeah. When did you go above it? Because now you're what, you're you're light heavyweight, right? Right. When, right. Did, you, when did you start getting creeping up? Uh, I would say summer after my sophomore year. So okay. what is that, like 16 or so? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's crazy. So uh, um, tell us, how did – your ascension, I guess, start in high school. How did you get to the point where you can go to college, like, you know, like Penn State? Like, how did that come about? You know, I had a, a lot, uh, those, the travel teams, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's like a, a positive feedback loop. If you can get on one, that's it. You're, you're, you're hooked up with the best uh, coaches, uh, the best training partners. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing the best moves, you know what I mean? You're going to get taken down, beat up in in training by the best guys. And when you can learn how to deal with that, like, 
it's that's just money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I really I couldn't afford the clubs. I had a lot of guys that were a lot of coaches were like just just show up, please. Our guys need to get beat by you, like. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I you know my parents, uh, I didn't man, I didn't pay for anything as far as gas or car insurance. Man, I would just rip and run. I would travel like forty five minutes to go to a practice, forty five minutes mm-hmm. home, get home, do my homework. I I, I had it. My, my parents took care of me. They they really helped me. But that was it, that you were just immersed in wrestling. Immersed, yeah. That's it. Yep. And, and was, was Penn State your, that was like your top choice? Or did they, was it, were they seeking you out? So, or were there other ones, like there are other options that you were looking at? Right. So I college, both of my parents have their master's degree. Mm-hmm. So college was always like, you know, it, it was just, it was the tacit. You, it was understood. You just, college, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but going to college for wrestling, uh, I didn't even know they had wrestling in college. <laughs> like I, it was no one in my family wrestled. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. I'm from the city of Harrisburg. And, um, so wrestling really explode. It's really, really popular in rural areas and in, in, in the city. It's like pff, nobody, nobody really wrestles. So, Luckily, my coach, also from Harrisburg, was a state champion and a Big Ten champion. So we had some somebody who really knew what they were talking about. Right. And it's that was great just to have a coach that was good from day one. And um, uh, I, I was on a wrestling team. There's 13 spots on a wrestling team. Mm-hmm. There were five people on my team. Five people. Damn. So we would walk into a dual meet. <laughs> <laughs> We've already lost. <laughs> We've already lost. Just by the numbers alone. Yeah. <laughs> We've already lost. Uh, the score is uh, 80, 80 to 0 at the start of the duel meet. Oh We're shaking hands. Nice to meet you, Captain. 80 to 0. Like, it's crazy. That's crazy. But, but I tell you, each and every one of those matches meant so much to me. Like, we mm. were cheering for each other. Totally. Just to not leave out of there ninety five to zero. <laughs> yeah, still it was a big, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that meant a lot. Well, what was the what was the biggest going from high school in those those days to now you're Division One? You're like at the pinnacle of it. What was the biggest transition that you had to kind of get your head around? Well, I um, I personally never won a state championship. Uh, what did I play? Fourth, fourth, and fifth. In, in, in high school states. And um, so when you get to college, everybody on a decent wrestling team, you look around, there's about 35, 40 guys, and there's like, you're a state champ, you're a state champ, you're a two-time state champ, um, most likely from other states, but mm-hmm. a lot from Pennsylvania. I mean, everybody's a state champ. Totally, yeah. Everybody's a state champ. Yep. I mean, it's just, you don't even make it to the next level unless you have... <laughs> A check mark next to your name most times. And um, most guys at that level are multiple time state champs. So I was like, I took fourth. <laughs> Twice though. <laughs> you know? So uh, I had a, a real inferiority complex that uh, forced me to uh, train my butt off from day one. And, uh, at Penn State, I, I had a great coach that was able to pull the talent out of me. 
a lot of which I was still like in my head. I thought I was competing to be pretty good. And right away, he he knew that I was going to be a champion kind of before I did, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it really pushed me toward it. So uh, once I uh, once I got on track with that, it was I was I was I was off to the races. Did you build any sort of I mean, <clears throat> if you said you were one of the only guys who didn't have that box checked, mm-hmm. did you build any sort of like reputation that people got to know you for or anything that they when they looked across the gym at you like you were known for on the wrestling mats? You know, I I just I just don't quit. Yeah. I just don't quit. We used to do this practice at Penn State where the coach would say, "All right, no one's leaving uh until your partner quits." That's so, oh, it's awful. It's awful <laughs> is what it is. But, you know, a lot of times we would have a lot of walk-ons and you got too many. You got to know what do you, you got to know if they're about that life. Mm-hmm. And chances are, you know, wrestling is a lot like fighting because when you do it right, you're you're actually getting your ass kicked. You know what I mean? You're not just, oh, I'm giving up points. No, you're you're getting beat up. Mm-hmm. Like you <laughs> You could leave a five-minute wrestling match with two black eyes. It's not unheard of. Totally, yeah. So um, we would have these practices, and I remember the first time I got uh, paired up with uh, the starter, and I was a redshirt freshman. I was like, oh, man, it's terrible. <laughs> this is just terrible. <laughs> and it, it was going bad. <laughs> it was going bad. <laughs> but what was good is uh, – you know, at some point he stopped scoring points on me because he got tired, and then I started, you know, holding holding up good position, and I got a couple takedowns. Then we were competitive, and then I would say about an hour and a half later, the coach was like, "All right, everybody else, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. we're good." And uh, I was like, "Instant street cred. All right, I didn't quit. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, oh, that's rad, man. I know because I I grew up playing basketball, and we always shared the the gym." with the, the wrestling crew, and every time I looked over or, like, we came in passing, the shit that they were doing is like, holy fuck, that is on another level. I mean, they're, like, changing shirts because they're sweating through shirts, and they're mm-hmm. going, they started before us and going after us, and we're sitting here bitching and mo- moaning about doing suicides. Is there something that you took away from that that's played into outside of the, outside of the gym? Meaning, like, the training style, the, the discipline, the getting your ass kicked. Has, has any of that you've seen transition into, like, your personal life or outside oh absolutely you know wrestling is so demanding on uh on your on your on your entire being you know it's not just training hard or lifting or eating good it's you know how much food did you eat how much water did you drink you know what do you weigh what are you going to do about losing 13 pounds before thursday you know Mm-hmm. Um, it occupies so much of your your mental space that you're forced to be compulsive about making yourself into a champion. You know, it's it's a it's a constant effort at every turn. Um, you know, how are you getting good sleep? Are you getting good enough enough water, but not too much? You know. Uh, what foods are you eating? You know, what foods make you feel good? That's a, a, a big one for me. Just because it's healthy food doesn't mean you should eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, again, when to 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 be good at wrestling is to have a, a a mastery of your body and the food and everything you're taking into it and your training environment. So to translate that into other things, it's like school, for example. I, I really was never interested in school. I just kind of did it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a few classes and courses where I was just all, I just loved it. And um, history of sport was one. I had another one, ethics of sport. I had a few um, physiology courses that I thought were awesome. The teachers were awesome. And I would, you know, read the textbook, look online, chat with my friends. Uh, I would, um, you know, find something else, an, another another publication from the author who wrote the textbook. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. I was resourceful, and I had zero resourcefulness in the, in the classes that I hate. I, I, I didn't want to read one damn book, <laughs> and I did. <laughs> but but on the the classes that mattered to me, I I, I had renewed energy and, and ideas, and I had a, a number of ways to get to the end result, which was honestly not even to do well in the course. It was just passion. Yeah. Right. Did you do well uh, academically all through Penn State, or did wrestling and that lifestyle did that kind of override? I did. Average. <laughs> you got a degree. Yeah, I did get a degree. I mean, I, I, are you even able to enjoy the full college experience and have a personal life when you're doing, you know, when you're fully immersed into the wrestling and you're fully committed to it and you're, you have to compete at a high level. I mean, that's right. the highest level of wrestling right there. Yeah. Uh, are you able to still enjoy, you know, the full college experience? And, yeah. That's what I was going to ask too, life? is if, did it take any, did you get it looking back now? Are there sacrifices on like, Oh, there was the normal college experience. Because oh. I know my college experience, oh, I definitely was wasn't worried about wrestling <laughs> practice and any of that, so we probably didn't have as many sacrifices. But are, are there like specific ones to like what Alan's question is that you know you had to make that that sacrifice? Right. Um, so, you know, one thing that we you, you should uh, knows to no everyone's different and. Uh, I'm dyslexic, which uh, I'm lucky because I can still read fairly quickly. I can get through a a, a book. It just takes me longer. Mm -hmm. And as far as proofreading my papers, it takes me three or four tries. (laughs) You know, it's weird. I will read something and I can I will only read exactly what I think it's supposed to say. I will not read what's on the paper. It's crazy. So, um, if you add a calorie deficit to that person, the yeah. output and the productivity drops off considerably. And so, <laughs> I mean, we're, this is before we even get to like hard training. Mm-hmm. Like, right. this mm-hmm. is before we get to hard training. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I, I look back and I'm like, man, there were so many different ways. Uh, I wish I had gone about my education. Um, one thing I ended up doing was I would, as soon as practice was over, 
I would eat and I would try to study, study, study until it got late. And then I would start working out if I had to lose weight at like, mm, like 11, 30, 12. Damn. Try to get in as much Damn. studying on a full stomach as I could because let, so I would, uh, let's say I ate at 7.30. Practice was over around 6. If I ate at 7.30, I would study from 7.30 to 10 and then start working out. Anything after that is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. How long does the the, the wrestling season run for it, college? The season itself isn't that long. It's from uh, about November, late November, early December through March. But you're training year round. For yeah. So you're not you're not even able to go hit parties up in Happy Valley. You're not going to the tailgates. You're not going to. Well, well, I I should I like should that. say this. I mean, <laughs> and, and that's where it's like. That's that's where it gets difficult because I totally, totally, totally could have applied myself so much better as a student if I did so much less partying. Because you you want to have the you want to have there we the go. Yeah, yeah. There's so the answer we were looking that's, for. I don't want to. That's the answer. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> should tell you guys Phil Davis did hit the parties. No, I was there. <laughs> I was there. Um, absolutely. It, it, it's it's in it, in. In an effort to do everything, you're always missing out on something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you you eventually, I mean, pretty quick became uh, an All-American there, right? Yes. More than once, right? Uh, yes. So what was, I mean, you came in and you said the box wasn't checked as a state champ. Now mm-hmm. you're an All-American. Did that change, like, your, you know, mental... Um, you know, when you said you walked in, you look at 35 to 40 guys and they all have two-time champ, this and that. Mm-hmm. Did that uh, give you any sort of like different boost or when you made All-American, did that change you as a wrestler um, moving forward? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, you know, it, there was so much competition for me in the room mm-hmm. uh, as far as, you know, beating all the guys who were state champs that I'd never... Uh, you know, I was just going to go out and give it my best, but I didn't feel like there was pressure on me from my team to win big matches. But I did. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my freshman year, we all, you have to wrestle off against the guys in your weight class. And my my freshman year, I won the I won the wrestle off, and the previous starter moved up to heavyweight. So I was like, oh man! And this guy, he and I had history. He's from Upper Darby, which is right outside uh, Philadelphia, and uh, he and I were in a state state semifinal match, and I was winning into the third period, and he took me down, and he and I were like, I mean, on the wrestling mat, bad blood, but you know, best friends otherwise, and uh, and so I got the 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 start over him, and he moved up to heavyweight, and was it was really a better better position for him. And uh, and that was it. Did, did he move up because you took his spot? Uh, I think <laughs> I think the coaches were kind of like, yeah, we don't want we don't want both of you guys at the same weight class. I think they mm-hmm. were that was a coaching move. I think hmm. I think they saw that problem and said we want we want you to be our big guy. Totally going going into that situation where you're. Everybody else is a state champ. 
Mm-hmm. You obviously never got to accomplish that in high school. You go into it with a bit of a chip on your shoulder, but you're not. You don't have the pressure, but you're still expected to compete with all those guys. Uh, right. where, at any point, did you ever like have any self doubt, or did you feel like you weren't able to be on par with them at all? You know, uh, luckily, uh, I don't think I would call it self doubt. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to outwork them out out whatever whatever we were doing. I wanted to do it. You yeah. know, if we were if we were. You know, drilling in the morning, I would get my drills in, uh, get my lifts in, I would work hard in training, and in wrestling, it's it's a lot about hard work, and that's that's what that is what stressed more than anything else. Not like you know, whatever. Uh, so I knew if I could work as hard or harder in training, then mm-hmm. then I would produce better results and that was kind of that was just kind of my mo yeah i was kind of wondering the same thing because that's definitely a sport where there's got to be highs and lows mm-hmm. was there like any lows where you just hit a point where you're like fuck man i want to quit i want to quit this uh not really that's good I mean, not that's really a, that's a good thing yeah because i because I, I know it's 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 got to be as much when you say hard work it's it's as much physically taxing as it is mm-hmm. like on your mind because like you said you show up to the mats and you see all these these guys at your level Penn State, you probably got to wrap your head around winning the match before you get in there up here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got your physical body together that it's got to be like a total balancing act through the through all Division One and even probably till now. Oh, yeah. You know? um, and and I, I guess when, when you say the hard work you put in physically, is there like a, a similar routine you have to keep upstairs like sharp? Is there is there certain things you do to to keep that so you don't have a a day or days where you're like, fuck, man, I want to quit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I'm big on meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I guess I did a version of that uh, in college. And, and now I, I'm more purposeful in it. And um, I do a, a much more direct routine. But what I used to do in college was I spent about uh, – Probably two hours every week on an elliptical, maybe more. But um, I would just play on my bat when I had an iPod that was mm. like a brick. Remember those things? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, so I would play my music and I would just um, run through, run through every possible, you know, uh, outcome of a wrestling match and what I was going to do and how I was going to set it up and just be very detailed and in, in, in my visualization of how I was going to run this match and how I was going to take control over it. And, um, and now I, I do the same thing uh, in, my, in my fighting. I, I completely go through every possible scenario. And by the time the fight comes, the, I mean, I've, oh, what if you knock him out? What if I knock him out with my right hand, my left hand, mm-hmm. kick, my right kick, left kick, you know? What if he just falls over? That happens sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> when did you start doing that, like the walking through the, the match? Oh, on the elliptical and, and just losing weight. That was, that, just that was, my, college, that was my make the time go by faster oh, okay. thing. And, um, and it worked. But it also gave me uh, like a peace. Like it, it helped me take control over any anxiety. 
because I had an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. I had run through all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Do you hit? Do you get? Because I know you got a team of of incredible coaches now at this level. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time where you have a a coach who all their job is is to do stuff like that, like work on meditation, work on on your mental strength, and that is? Are there coaches that you bring into your training camp for stuff like that? Oh man, uh, I wish I could afford Tony Robbins. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tony, if you need a, you know, pro bono. I imagine you know. some, of, some of your coaches probably have, like, because of all their experience, they probably give, like, bits and pieces of how to keep your, your mental mentally sharp and, mm. and, and little, like, like what you're talking through, walking through the, the actual fight before or seeing, visualizing before. It's probably some stuff that they kind of coach you on. But I don't know if there were guys out there that you, you just bring in to, to keep upstairs uh, on track. You know, uh, I, I find it's uh... – not everybody does it, mm-hmm. and um, no, not very many people understand how to explain it. Uh, mm-hmm. I should say, understand, understand, uh, explain the like the application and, and the importance of it. Mm. Um, uh, I, 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 in my experience. Did, Not a lot of people do. Did you hit a point where you realize, holy shit, this is really, really important, and I need to put my a lot of my time into this, that side of of competing? You know, I I realized it was important when, when I read that other athletes do it, mm. and um, I heard that uh, this is this is well after the fact, but uh, Michael Jordan would practice shooting like free throws in his mind. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, Jack Nicholson would, when he had a, like a, uh, just a, a hard pipe, he would imagine a bathtub instead of the cup. He wanted to take all the pressure. Like if it was a bathtub in the middle of the green, like he, he wouldn't even, he no wouldn't even sweat that. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, you know, and, and that's what he would imagine to take all the pressure off mm-hmm. and just be in the moment. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Totally. And, uh, and a lot of guys, I, I remember going back, a lot of guys would, um, in their warm-up for a wrestling match, they would want to drill. I mean, they would want to have like a whole like practice match in the back. And I'm like... Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I just want to walk around. Yeah. I would just walk around with my headphones on, and um, I would drill just a little bit. And I, I realized that um, I started doing some reading. Actually, hi, I did do some reading in uh, um, in college, uh, and it was about uh, meeting your 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 peak state of arousal. And I understood there's I imagine like a parabola and sometimes you can over arouse yourself. And this has happened to me so many times and I never really understood why. Mm-hmm. And until I was reading this where I was getting ready for a match and my energy went up and then my energy started coming down. Then I walk out in the mat feeling like, Damn, like I'm tired. Like I didn't do anything. It did that before you actually. Before, really. And it, it's it's an emotional thing as well. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional thing. You can overstimulate yourself emotionally, and then you're no longer 
like tenacious. Yeah, yeah. In in the in the in the competition. Yeah, and you, that's an adrenaline dump, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like you hype yourself up so much, your body releases a ton of adrenaline, and then eventually it when it drops, that's when you get that yeah. crash. Yep. The floor just gets sucked out from under you. Yeah. Is is there a way of because I've heard that term before, the adrenaline dump. Is there a way like to harness or control that, or is that out of your control? Oh, hundred percent. Well, that's why I walk through it. Mm. You know, it's you know when you you get into a car accident, it's like it, boom, it happens, and then you get out the car, you're out of breath. Yeah, you don't have a choice. Yeah, you know. But I walk myself through all the things that I think are going to be scary, and then when it happens, it's like ah, you know, no. Announcer saying my name. You know, here he comes. Cool. Wave to the people at home. <laughs> All right, let's do this. You know, and, and that's and you. That's a big part of it. Like screaming your name on the. I remember the first time I was in the UFC, and uh, Bruce Buffer was screaming my name. Out of the right corner. Like, that shit is scary. <laughs> I'm telling you. Telling you right now, Bruce Buffer, (laughs) a a single piece of sweat just comes straight down. God, now you got to start. He just screamed. Start visualizing with Bruce Buffer before. Yeah, this is gonna happen. Bruce is gonna say my name. name. Yeah, Uh, that that all adds to the excitement of the moment, and you got to be able to like harness that and control it, and just uh, for me, it's it's just having that uh, a narrow focus. You want to be able to acknowledge that you know buffer screaming your name like a madman uh but then you want to be also more focused on what you want to do just just kind of imagine that perfect photo where uh you have that boca and the the face did i say that wrong no you got that okay <laughs> uh the face is in focus but then everything else is out you know what i'm saying yeah. that's that's what you want you're like Perfectly focused on your target, and then everything else is just background noise. Mm-hmm. What's a bokeh? Uh, blur. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I missed that one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to show P. <laughs> uh, going, going back real quick to Penn State, one of the, one of the um, things to me that was very impressive about uh, your run at Penn State is uh, I, I saw one year, I believe, you went. You were seventh runner-up. Next mm-hmm. year you were fifth runner up. How do you like gather yourself physically and mentally after you put in all that work mm. and you get seven? And you're like, you know what? Back to the drawing board. Next year you get fifth. And you kept going, you kept mm. going, you kept ascending. Like, how do you like I mean most people would be like, you know what? Okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did all that shit. I, I got seventh. Cool. I'm good. You know? What what did it take for you to like get back out there and then just keep fucking going and you know get to yourself you know, to an even better position and keep ascending? Right. So it's funny you say that. Um, so I went seventh, second, fifth, first. Okay. Damn. So uh, my my freshman year, I was just man. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fight as hard as I can, see what I can get. And the match where I was going to All American, I was wrestling a guy who was a three time All American. Uh, from Cornell, and the guy was like 6'6", and he's one of those dudes that just has, I mean, just all arms and legs, no torso, really. He's just all, like a spider, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And uh, and I had to beat him to become an All-American. I was like, 
that was the best moment ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> to, to, to be an All-American in college, I thought that would be pretty cool. Right. But to do it my freshman year, I was like, that is pretty badass. So after that, I'm still having fun. There's no pressure on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I cruised into the national finals. Uh, against uh, a guy who was a three-time national champ. Uh, I actually did a little bit of fighting afterwards. His name was Jake Roshaw. This Joker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was good. He was good. It, you know, a lot of times uh, I'll think about wrestling matches like, man, I should have beat that guy. There's no reason I should have lost that match. That that match, that particular match, I'm like, man, that fool was good. Like, <laughs> he was good. Like, uh, you know, what I know now, sure, I could have put up a much better match. But at that time, I was like, "Joke was good." That's like, crazy. That's crazy. It was like he 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 got the he got everything I could give him, and then he just beat me. You know, which is which is good. It's it's a it's a painful feeling mm-hmm. because there's the I gave it all I could got and the shit. It wasn't even close to being good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also um, it's also good to know that guy was a senior. And he was a three-time national champ, uh, so he's also really good. And that's that was that was the difference between you totally and him. Uh, so I had a lot of work to do. Now after that, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> pressure's on. You take second your second year, pressure's on. Yeah, <laughs> you know. In uh, that my my junior year, I was just whew. I did great and then just fell apart in the postseason. I mean, I was probably undefeated into the month of March and then had five losses in March. Like, wow. <laughs> it, was, no it was awful. It was awful. Wow. All bad. Now, now is that just like, uh, like level of competition because just got that much better? or I, It was everything from uh, – I I really I partied really hard that year. <laughs> I, I did. And I look back and I was like, "Ooh, that was a bad year." Um, uh, I, my weight management was just terrible, absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. Um, I was losing too much weight. Every, I mean, I would go into every week, but probably fifteen plus pounds and i would lose that twice so i would lose it for mm-hmm. a friday match and then saturday morning i'd be 15 and then i would lose it again for a sunday match Man. damn and so it was just every week and every week every week every week yeah partying can't help that no <laughs> no it does not uh-uh. <laughs> no it does not so going into your senior year is the pressure back on or is it back off um it was definitely back on, yeah. You know, um, at least uh, at least on myself. Mm-hmm. I, I I I wouldn't say really. Uh, I was definitely more in my head about a lot of things, and then um, definitely I, I wanted to win, both for my team and myself. Um, and I was very much more, uh, much more conservative across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, that year I lived by myself I made all my food I oh man it, it was great I learned 
you know, I, I can't really study in a library. It's too, it's too quiet for me. That, I don't know if that's a thing that for yeah. everyone else. Some people, I don't know. I go in there, and because it's so quiet, it's like <laughs> I read this book about this guy who was in jail. He was in solitary confinement, and the people go crazy being in solitary confinement because they start hearing noises, but there are none. Mm-hmm. That is me in a library. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, talk about every time I get in that damn library, I hear too much stuff. And I'm like, like just me being in my house, I live right on um, the main drag. It's called College Ave. Right above College Ave, there's cars honking. That's now mm-hmm. I can now I can read. I know that life is going Man. on, but like quietness. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, no, I can it's see that. Like it's too much. I can see that. Did you have something in your senior year? Do you yeah. have something? Because you're obviously coming close up on graduating. Did you have something in your mind that you were set on doing after you graduated, like? career switch or any transition leaving Penn State did you have something then or was it you're going right into what you're doing now mm, no uh, I knew going into my senior year I wanted to fight mm-hmm. uh, and I uh, I kind of made up my mind uh, not entirely but I I, I was like yeah, let's try some jujitsu see how that kind of works and mm-hmm. Hey, jiu-jitsu is fun, especially if you're a wrestler. You just It just comes naturally. Um, so I tried some jiu-jitsu. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much had my mind made up. And, um, and so I did my, my senior year. Um, it was awesome. And then uh, immediately after, uh, one of my one of the guys I knew who was a former Penn State wrestler, um, a guy I trusted, he, um, he's like a serial op- entrepreneur. And he approached me about being my manager. It's like, um, okay, you know. He's and he was completely. And the reason why uh, I love him and I trust him so much is because he was completely honest with me mm-hmm. up front. He's like, listen, I don't know anything about this, but I do know that I will work my butt off to a figure it out, and two, if I feel like I'm not doing enough job. Uh, I'm not doing a good enough job for you or you've exceeded like uh, his experience, his experience. Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I help find you a management that, mm-hmm. that, that can handle you. And uh, that was, that was, that was what I was looking for. Yeah. And, um, and he was great. Still great to this day. <clears throat> and you, um, he's still your manager. Um, pseudo manager. Still involved. He, he does some. He does some local stuff for me in Pennsylvania. And his intention was, I'm going to manage you and, and start getting you into fights. Yes. Okay. And this is, I mean, I'm guessing the transition was at the perfect time because this is when MMA was really crossing over to commercially, right? This um, was really starting to boom. Yes, it was it, yeah, exactly. So right around, I'd say that was around 2006 was mm-hmm. when it really started getting good, and I graduated in 2008. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good time. So what was his, I mean, you're, he's now officially your manager. What was his first order of business or like first fight or first proposition for you as your manager? As my manager. Um, so he, um, he, he owned a, a title company and, um, he sold it, made a really good, really good profit on that. And he bought a gym in town, uh, put in a cage and wrestling mats, which at the time 
was like, I mean, if you could think about every gym that has like a cage and some wrestling match, like, uh, cool. I guess <laughs> mm-hmm. that's cool. <laughs> that was like, whoa. Like, he bought a, a cage. That was a big deal. Big, big deal. Pennsylvania, I don't think had any other real mixed martial arts gyms at that time. Definitely nowhere within 100 miles. Nowhere within 100 miles. So that was great. Um, then he started buying uh, coaches. Um, and shortly after I had won uh, my Division One National Championship, I'd say two weeks later, I was doing, you know, one to two practices a day, um, doing striking and jujitsu. So, so he was wanting to go full into. Yeah, no, we, we yeah was, we got it popping. Yeah, I was gonna say, and, and even him, he he came on as your manager, said he knew nothing, but he was all in on this. Yeah, career transition because he got a gym, got out of his old job, so he right. was going full full in on it. You know, I well exactly, yeah, exactly, and you know, it's one thing to say, hey, I got you, man. If you want to do this thing, cool, I got you, but. I mean, he went in eight hundred thousand. <laughs> he went in. He be went, a lot yo, of pressure on you too. Yeah. He went in. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not at all. Really, no, really. He, I mean, he he believed in me. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, I want to do this. This is awesome." Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he he went in and uh, really, really was invested from day one. So, so is it? I mean, it's got to be a little nerve wracking when you know, hey, this guy doesn't have direct experience he's going to learn with me in in like the fight business then is there a level of trust when you're like wait this guy is the one also setting up my my next fights so making sure i'm in the best hands possible when you're first starting off was there like a feeling each other out on the trust there because mm-hmm. he's in control or you had full full trust. full trust in him really uh and because you know wrestling is not one of those things you do because you want to be rich and famous Mm-hmm. If you decide to wrestle, it's simply because you want to say, I can beat your ass. That's it. That's <laughs> it. There's no, you'll never be famous wrestling <laughs> until now. Like now, guys are famous wrestling. Yeah, so yeah, I take right. it back. But they're Instagram famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They yeah. walk down the streets of San Diego. It's, you know, it's different. Yeah. Um, actually, nah, they actually be famous everywhere. These guys are, <laughs> these guys are something else. Jordan Burroughs. David yeah. Taylor, they're freaking, they're superstars. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, so now the internet's kind of changed that way. But not starting out. No one. Not even, if I say Dan Gable, do you guys kind of know that name? No? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. Well, people would call him famous in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not so much anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I understood that he wasn't getting into the fight game to we there are those motives with a lot of guys mm-hmm. and i i feel like i i'm so thankful for him cuz i see these shady characters and i'm like mm, i don't know mm-hmm. i don't trust you whereas he's just like I'll, I'll help you get to where you're going and right away um he went to some of our Penn State um members of our booster club mm-hmm. and these people um, if you, they just, they love, love wrestling and they love Penn State. And, um, obviously, you know, I was done well for Penn State and I was, yeah, I was around. They liked me. They loved me. They loved me to death. <laughs> so he went to these guys and he asked them if they'd be willing to help fund my, my next journey. And immediately I had a training stipend of 
almost three grand a month. No way. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even like telling that to people because guys in our sport have to work so dang hard mm-hmm. to get going. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I'm very jaded in that regard. I had, I mean, I had like the you know rock star treatment. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, three grand is not. It's not. You know. It, I mean, it, you can survive. You, I can live. Yeah. And especially in a college town. Yeah. I've been renting like four hundred dollars, like. Man, I was like balling out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, you know, going from broke to three thousand, I can live and yeah. I can train my butt off and not have to worry about everything, anything else. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, I was able to really concentrate for the next two years and do nothing but fighting. Whereas a lot of guys have to work mm-hmm. and they have to, you know, train in the morning or train in the evening. And there comes a point where uh, guys who are part time. Just can't. If there is a guy equal in skill level and experience, the the full time guy is going to be the better guy. Yeah. And I just kind of jumped right over that. Mm-hmm. That's big. Yeah, was big time. So was it a was it also a transition because you went from fighting in the big arena with Penn State mm. at that level? What was it like transitioning now? Like your first fight in in MMA mm-hmm. was it was it, I imagine it wasn't the same size shape arena or attendance or people you kind of had to make a little transition it you start amateur you, you would start amateur right and then work the way up which can be uh interesting venues and places mm. where they hold those yeah uh, fights so um yeah so luckily uh, uh it's kind of not so luckily uh in wrestling I, I had such a good name and such a good following that um and this is where my 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 manager his name's Chad Dubin he really started learning the uh uh you know ins and outs of the business he would book a fight for me and then come Wednesday they would cancel so Monday we book a fight Tuesday cancel a fight Monday which it would just go on every single week really every week it, after a while we were booking like you know, he would call. I mean, he was calling all over, all over, and he have like three or four fights booked for the same night, for the exact same night, and they would just all just fall off as the week went on. Nobody was one. Nobody wanted to fight a Division One national champion, yeah. four time All American. They Google search your name. You're the very first person. You're the whole first list. No, yeah. no, they're looking for like. Guys who they have to like dig down and find, oh, what is he good at? What gym does he train at? Oh, he's a blur- well, he's a purple belt, brown belt. Oh, okay. Yep. Like when you are the only guy on Phil Davis that come well, actually there's a there's a couple actors. There's an actor, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but they know they're looking for a black guy, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> anyway. Anyway. But yeah, he uh, you know, I, I would just I would lose Fights left and right. When I finally got to a fight, it was in Atlantic City at the Showboat Hotel and <laughs> Casino. <laughs> uh, and um, it was probably 4 a.m. And I was the main event. It was like 30 fights on this card. It was it was awful. You but went fight until 4 a.m.? I didn't fight until 4 a.m. Oh, Jesus. All my first team, pro or first amateur? First amateur. Oh, wow. All my teammates were there. You don't need to give these guys any reason 
to drink all night till 4 a.m. All right? Listen. In Atlantic Atlantic City. City. These boys are are acting crazy. This was like, Cobb, I graduated in May. This is, first fight was in June. Damn. These guys were in like full party season. Oh, (laughs) man. Oh, man. It was great. It was, it was, (laughs) it was great. So, uh, that was my first venue, Showboat. Um, Yeah. Showboat Casino. And there really wasn't much transition. Um, uh, there was actually, there were a few kind of dodgy bars and I did four amateur in the first year after I graduated. So from, uh, yeah, really, um, from May, 2008 till 2019. Um, and then over the course of another 2019, probably January through, August, I had four pro fights, and by December 2000, did I say 19? 2000, yeah, no, I meant... 09. 09, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. 09, 2000, December 2009, uh, I got signed to the UFC with four pro fights. So, Which is really rare. Uh, it is very rare. Was that, was that, I mean, a product of obviously the reputation you're building... And your past, but it was also your manager play a role in that too? Manager. Expediting it into the UFC? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So by that point, um, my manager had, um, we were, we were begun to hand off to a, a bigger management firm hmm. that I'm still with today. So, oh, that's cool. And they, they, those guys manage, um, the, the end to them was they only recruit well, mostly only recruit high level wrestlers. And uh Josh Koschat was uh okay. was a guy who had helped recruit me to Penn State. He was mm-hmm. at Penn State at the time and um and recruited me there. So uh ended up being his management company and oh, cool. uh and so I got hooked up with him and uh yeah, rest is history. That's cool. How'd fight. you do on the that first amateur fight? I was just yet? about to ask the same thing. What happened? First amateur fight four yeah. AM oh, don't go and watch it on the internet. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> please don't. I knocked the guy out. <laughs> Completely by accident. It was like one of those punches. Like he was coming at me, and I was like, "Just get back!" <laughs> and he just fell over. <laughs> There's no form or technique. He just swung, <laughs> landed clean. All your teammates, all your teammates, <laughs> jump into the. No, into yeah, the it was, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was wild. You got to the UFC, like you said, after four uh, pro fights, mm-hmm. you hit the ground running. I mean, the names like right off the bat, Tim mm-hmm. Bosch. The All-American Brian Stan. I mean, uh, I think you fought one of the Noguera brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Nog. I mean, you, you're stepping into, first of all, you said right off the bat, you know, you're you're nervous as hell when Bruce Buffer's announcing your name. Yeah. But when you're stepping into the cage against that level of talent and right off the bat, I mean, it's going through your head, man. How, how are you preparing for that? Mm, well, uh, so I have a, a process that I go through. And... Part of them are very truthful affirmations, and part of them are not. And I can say that to you because I'm not in that competition mindset. Mm-hmm. But um, so part of it. So my very first one, that that first fight down the, the showboat. Th- this guy was 40 years <laughs> old, and I, I said, "This is my first amateur fight. I'm the best 24 year old." 
wrestler in this entire nation. I don't care what you do, buddy. You're 40 years old. You're going down. Mm-hmm. And that was the truth. He had no business being in there with me. Yeah. <laughs> he had no business being in there with me. None. And uh, <laughs> none. And so, uh, and because here's the thing. I'm one month into MMA training, and this guy has been training for 10 years. What do you tell yourself? How do you how do you qualify yourself as being the winner? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was the truth. I mm-hmm. told myself that, and it was true. And so I went in there, beat the guy up because I'm the better athlete. It doesn't matter what he knows. Mm-hmm. And so, flash forward uh, two years later, uh, a year and a half later, I'm fighting Brian Stan in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He's already a former world champion mm-hmm. at that point. WEC. WEC. Yeah. He's already beaten a lot of really good totally. guys. Yeah. And now I have four pro fights, four amateur fights, no real experience to speak of because all those fights are just kind of steamrolled over the guy. Um, so I don't really have experience. And now I'm going against a guy who has both skill and experience mm-hmm. in eight to ten years in the game. And what do you do to get yourself in the mindset that it doesn't matter? How do you tell yourself? How do you qualify yourself that you're going to win that? That's you good. answer. You, yeah. you tell me. I mean, I, 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 you I, tell I mean, me. Every, every, everything's going, uh, it looks like everything's up against you. You're up against the wall. I mean, like, you just go back to the basics. You go back to what you know, your skill set. Mm-hmm. It's just another day at work. That's mm-hmm. not. I That's how like, I approach things when I, in my profession, when I go up, you know, at a high profile gig, when it's something big time, when I'm playing in Vegas, mm-hmm. I just tell myself another day in the park, you know what you're doing. You've been here before. Different setting. Go back to what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I approach it. Yeah. And it's also probably you got to get in your head too. like, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. There's a reason I'm here and someone else isn't standing in my, mm-hmm. in my position too. So qualifying, whatever, whatever it is, like if it's in the ring, it's what you do, whatever, like, Hey, I'm here for a reason. Um, now I got to prove that I was the right person to be yep. to be here. Right. Um, but I, I I love like the the affirmations. I'm sure you like. It's, I imagine something you still do, and now your affirmations Absolutely. from from then till now probably have just grown um, uh, yep. because the talent and and who you're 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 facing that's only going to grow. So mm-hmm. you have to constantly reaffirm yourself going in, into yep. each fight because nothing changes to any given fight at this level. It's like Dude, if I drop off one part of my what got me here, I could go backwards. Yeah, you know, um, and especially in that, like there, there's, it's like a game of inches, inches yep. and seconds, yep. really. Um, and the skill level has got to be like, yeah, I couldn't imagine that that first walk having everything, the adrenaline dump, the buffers, all that. Mm-hmm. That had to be an intense, just like wrapping your head around, holy shit, looking around the place like, I'm here. Yeah. And that was uh, Mandalay Bay. Damn. Yeah. yeah Mandalay places, Bay. Yeah. Did yeah. you take the fight on, on, on late notice? Sure did. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. That's usually sure how everybody gets did. their start in the UFC. <laughs> how, how much time did they give you? Uh, I'll tell you, it was, I didn't leave San Diego because I was training in San Diego. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was training in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And I left my, my apartment there to uh, go home to Harrisburg and hang out with my friends for Christmas. And I remember I was at this bar on the main drag on 2nd Street. 
and having some beers and some wings with my boy. And they're like, hey, we got you a contract. I was like, oh, cool. With who? And they're like, oh, the UFC. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> this is great. This is the best day of my life. You know? <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Well, when's the fight? February 6th. Febu- no. That's that's like a month. Fuck. I'm, mind you, I'm I'm at the bar, Drink. beer in hand. I'm like, this is, <laughs> that's a month of training before I got to fight. Who, who is it? Brian Stan. He's good. <laughs> you know, it was like one. Usually, you know, you, you you like as a as a fighter, you know, you go through this stage where you like research the guy who you're gonna fight. I didn't need to research this guy. I know who he is. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, oh crap! So I ended up going to uh, move uh, flying back out here. Uh, I think the day after. Um, Christmas and then just training straight until February. What what was it that got you from Pennsylvania here? Um, so Dominic Cruz and I. Well, Dominic Cruz, uh, he was friends with a guy named Shannon Slack, and Shannon Slack and I were being managed by Chad Dubin. Mm-hmm. And again, my guy didn't know anything about the fight game, mm-hmm. but he knew how to wrestle and he knew how to. We, we knew how to wrestle and we knew how to train hard. So we had um, basically an MMA version of a wrestling uh, camp. We had a training camp. Mm-hmm. And so for a week, we just had like a bunch of guys come in and we would all train together and train twice a day. It was, it was great. Mm-hmm. And so Dominic came and Dominic got sick as a dog and he was like on his deathbed. And uh, <laughs> and I was taking care of him. I was taking care of him. My, my 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 girl at the time was like cooking food for him, and I like I was. They, they were like I forget what it was. Uh, it was like something. It was either the flu or or something. It was really contagious. Whatever it was, I was like the only person who went near him. <laughs> so uh, he's like, "Man, thanks for taking care of me. Hey, if you wanna, I got this guy in, in San Diego named Brandon Vera. He would really yeah. benefit from." from training with a, a high-level wrestler like you. And at the time, I didn't really know uh, Brandon Vera. I was like, yeah, sure, man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll check it out. But Brandon is, uh, he's a really good kickboxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, great Muay Thai, great grappling. And, excuse me, when I came out here, um, he was somebody that could beat me every day in training. Mm. You know, uh, unless it was wrestling practice. Uh, I didn't win. I, I didn't get any wins. You know, if it was mm-hmm. wrestling, I would mostly win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's what I that's what I did. You know, uh, but um, there was no, there wasn't a there wasn't a whole lot of like wins, just little wins. And I was like, oh, I like this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I need a guy who can beat me every day because I I know that that's only that will only push me. Yeah, you know. And uh, and so I came here, started training with him, and I picked up is pretty much most of his brain. I've just over the years, I've just been picking his brain and, and cataloging it. So uh, I, I, a lot of my success, I credit to him, and uh, he has really good habits uh, as far as kickboxing and, and boxing. And 
I've picked up on it, and uh, that's what I utilize. <clears throat> how many how many fights into your UFC career did uh, was it before you made the full move out to San Diego? Oh, day one. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and at that time, I mean, the, the, that gym alliance was particularly uh, they were on the rise too. You guys had like yourself, Dom Cruz. I think Gustafson was there, Miles Jury, mm-hmm. Brandon Vera. So Gustafson. I, I fought Brian Stan uh February sixth. Mm-hmm. Come home. I'm like, oh man, that was that was kinda cool. Monday they called me, hey, you wanna fight this guy, uh Alexander Gustafson, April tenth. I was like, sure. <laughs> you know? Uh, that doesn't really give me much time to train, but sure. So but the fight was in Abu Dhabi. I was like, free trip to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> like, who turns that down? So Went there, fought Gustafson, and uh, backstage, he and I started chit-chatting. Our coaches are chit-chatting. And uh, he was, I mean, he was, I was young then, but he was even younger. And mm-hmm. it was like, man, like, you're a pretty cool dude. We should train. And uh, shortly after that, he came out. We started training together. And, uh, he, man, he's just been a great asset. I just, I'll run ideas by him. Any sort of training stuff, he's, he's the man. So quickly, the hype started building on you. I mean, I remember watching and early on, I mean, uh, because of the wrestling background, you started getting the comparisons to John Jones. Mm -hmm. He was just a little bit, uh, I think he came in a little bit uh, before you. Yeah. And quickly his hype, his hype train started taking off. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it looked like you guys were on a crash course Mm -hmm. to fight each other. Uh, You were steamrolling through talent left and right. And then you finally had your first loss. What was your uh, mentality when you finally had that first loss in the UFC? Um, So it reminded me of my first real heartbreak in wrestling, Mm -hmm. fighting, uh, wrestling uh, Jared Roshaw, uh, Jake Roshaw, where he just beat me up in the national finals. It's like, man, yeah, uh, wrestling, you typically wrestle in a gymnasium. It might even be two or three hundred people, mm-hmm. maybe a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, losing on in ESPN, like I, <laughs> I, I've only been major decision once. That means you lose by eight points or more. Um, that's only happened to me, I think, once in my college career. So to really get beat like that mm. on my only time being on ESPN, <laughs> millions of people watching at home. Uh, that that hurt. That sucked. But I also, like I said, uh, I understood he was really good, mm-hmm. and I also understood that I was really young and I had a lot to work on, mm-hmm. and and so that that I used that to propel me forward. And so coming out of college wrestling in two thousand eight, May two thousand eight, got my four amateur fights, got four professional fights within that next year. Mm-hmm. And then I say two and a half years into my MMA career, I'm fighting Rashad Evans, former UFC champion, for a title eliminator. Now, I had some bad luck. I got sick before the fight. But I'm also not one for, like, excuses. Because anytime I get into the cage, I expect to win no matter what. There's no... Mm -hmm. There's no excuse for losing. None. Um, 
And then I was just outgunned. Like what do mm-hmm. you you can't you can't uh, to, I I I try to add perspective for myself because I was so angry. But I was like, man, if there was a person who, after two years, decided they wanted to try to be the world champion in wrestling, they would borderline get hurt. And that's wrestling. No one gets punched or kneed mm-hmm. to the face in wrestling. <laughs> and they would borderline get hurt. Mm-hmm. How That's how bad they would lose to the world champion. Mm-hmm. And I got beat down, and I lost all five rounds. But, you know, I I knew I had a lot more to give. And so I I look at it, and I'm like, man, this guy, he's been at it a long time. He's he's one of those guys who's a... Hall of uh, Famer. Hall of Famer. At that yeah. point, he was already the f- former uh, already world the, champion. Yeah, yeah. Already yeah. the yeah the UFC champion. So I'm like, man, like that's not bad. You know, you you know, with a little bit of work, you'll be a UFC champion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm brand new. I'm and brand new at this. And there's got to be a level of pressure that you have because you are brand new and you're gaining so much momentum that even though you're sick to pull out of a fight at that point no the pressure is just like no because because no. you don't know will that come especially you said it's a title eliminator mm-hmm. you're probably thinking man unless i got to be carried in there there's no way because the pressure of i don't know when i'll get this again mm-hmm. weighs on you and you're like nope i'm going forward well i'll tell you what happened uh we were scheduled to fight in july of i think 2012, maybe 11 or 12. Um, but I tore my PCL. Oh, shit. Uh, my first year in the UFC, I fought five times in 13 months. Holy shit. And, and won them all. Just boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. Just back to back. Just beating people. And then, and, and see, that it's great, but, man, I was training so hard and my body just broke like mm-hmm. it, i just broke tore my pcl in training that the first major injury of your career yes yeah. and uh and that was right before uh my rashad evans fight and so uh we had to we pulled out of that fight and got rescheduled again for i think january 25th and um wow hey i should have probably taken more time but i i really lost because Joker was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joker was good. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So, I there was no way I was going to get sick and back out a second time. No mm-hmm. way. No mm-hmm. way. Ain't gonna happen. Now we're gonna go back a little bit. Um, you made you made the move out to San Diego. You were full time training, but you were still working on the side, right? When so when I first got here, yeah. When I first got here, I was. Uh, I was in between that. I was in this uh, this space where I was training, but I probably wasn't going to get very many fights. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, we are dealing with uh, this guy's a national champ, and mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to get fights, um, especially if you start becoming well known. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, uh, so I was working at Bar West when I got here. I remember you from there. Uh, I was working at Bar West. I remember you from there in Stingery. Stingery, yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh man, it was so much fun. <laughs> oh man, that was fun. Good times. Good How times. long were you working there? 
probably, I'd say eight or nine months. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Just shy of, I say, yeah, just, just shy of a full year, eight, eight or nine months. So, yeah. so, so you, uh, I mean, San Diego's hard not to love the city. Yeah. You ever going back or you, this is. Well, no, I can't now. Mm-hmm. No, no. Because you started a, you, you got you got a business here too. Yeah. So, well, I didn't start it. Uh, my, so my my wife's her her parents, uh, or I'm sorry, her grandparents uh, bought this deli in Chula Vista. It's called Hungry Hanks Deli. Mm-hmm. They bought it in '78. Damn. Right, and it's been around same location since then. All right, that's a while. That is a while. And so uh, uh, we got married, and then we um, we bought the business from my my in laws from my mother in law. Now she it got passed down from grandparents to my my mother in law, and now she passed it out to my daughter and I. Oh wow! So is, it, is your wife like running? She's running? running the show. She's running the show. Do you ever have to roll your sleeves up and get over? You no, know, she <laughs> it, it's funny because she's I I do. Yeah. I I enjoy doing it because I feel like uh, I'm not nothing is beneath me, and I enjoy mm-hmm. being a part of it. You know, it's the family business, and um, you know, there's the only work that's undignified is the work you will not do, and I will do everything. Totally, I clean the bathrooms. I you know, granted that's not mine. So I don't do it every day, but I like to. I like to run the register. That is my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite. You ever get recognized when you all do the that? time, <laughs> all the time, all the time? It's funny because like this dude came in and he's like, "Phil, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, you know, I'm working. What's up? What do you need? What can I get you? Uh, what can I get started? You know?" He's like, "Okay." Uh, <laughs> order and it, like, and you know, I I feel like I owe it to my to my worker, like to my employees, um, because he he was looking for like a statement, like why are you here? I'm, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just here working, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to like, I didn't feel like I should say, well, I own it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just here working, and I wanted. Because I I really enjoy all my my our employees and they are friends and they are family mm-hmm. and I didn't want to separate myself from them. I, I don't want to say, well, I own the place, that's why I'm here. No, I'm I'm working. What's up, mm-hmm. man? <laughs> and uh, you know, it's I I get I get a lot of fun out of that. That's cool. Was there was there a level of getting used to once you started having people uh, recognize you, know who you are, even here uh, or outside of here? Uh, yeah, there yeah. is. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, like, again, I come from uh, Harrisburg. It's, it's 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 a real city, um, <laughs> and people understand. People don't understand what it's like. Like, man, they don't understand what it's like. For example. I'm, uh, I was at the movie theater in Otay Ranch. Nice neighborhood. I love Otay Ranch. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Otay Ranch Town Center Mall. And um, me and my son, he's probably two and a half, maybe three at this time. And I'm carrying him. We're, we went to go see a movie, and we're leaving. And I feel somebody following me through the parking lot. Now, 
I'm like, first thought, I'm like, all right, make a wrong turn, make a right turn. Look around, double back the wrong way. Following my every move. I'm like, God, what am I doing? All right? All right? They, people don't understand that yeah. although you know me, I don't know you. Yeah, like, yeah. you got to just be normal. Yeah. Just say, hey, Phil. Or, you know, just normal engagement. So we finally, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to try to get the car and drive off. So I get in the car, and this, followed this dude, it was a dude and his girl, but the dude stopped halfway and sent his girl, which is like a classic oh, hustler move. Yeah. <laughs> this is a classic hustler move. I'm like, this is a setup. You know, he's going to sneak around the car. He says the girl, you know, short skirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, I know yeah. how this goes. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. You know, like, and she's like, no, no. Me and my husband just want to take a picture. And then I look, and he's, like, grinning, like, oh, please, Phil, please. I'm like, all right, this isn't a setup. They're just cool people. They're just cool people. But you followed me through the parking lot to tell me this. Yeah, like, yeah. you just got to be, be normal. Even- so I, I was about to judge or shake my head at that person, but when I was or just out of college, I was at – I grew up playing basketball. Yeah. And I grew up, because I'm from Arizona, watching the Suns. Yeah. And if you know Dan Marley, Thunder Dan – yeah. Like top son, and 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 his big thing was three point shooting. I was a three point shooter, whatever. And we went to a game, and he had a bar. He has now a few in Arizona. It's called Marley's, yeah. and there's a bar right in downtown Phoenix. And after the game, I went with it was me, a couple buddies, and a couple girls. And over in the far corner, there's Dan Marley just having dinner, or whatever. And no shit, just like this guy in the parking lot. I sent the girls over. I'm like, hey. I grew up idolizing this guy. See if he'll come take a shot with us. You two go, because me and my my buddies, we're not going to go over there. And sure as shit, the bait worked. He came over, except he came over. And at that time, why we were drinking Goldschlager, I don't know. Oh. But he denied the shot. And he said, I'll do Jaeger instead. So the five of us took Goldschlager, and, and Marley took the, the Jaeger. But I pulled that move one time and one time only <laughs> and sent the girls. You were, you, were, you were in a social atmosphere. Yeah, totally. We were in a bar. In a, in it was a, busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah but... Creeping through a parking lot, I don't think I would have done that. Yeah, no, it That's gets real. Though. It gets real, real sketchy. That's no, really funny. It, it's it. I'm different. Some people aren't as approachable. I feel like I'm very approachable. Which Just, sometimes work. That can sometimes work against you though, because now when, it, when you're out it, and about, yeah, you, you do because you do come off very approachable. And like it's only said, a matter of now, time until I get robbed. It's yeah. gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Or, or, until, you, yeah. or yeah. until you just blow up on somebody like motherfucker, I can't take it. Because <laughs> they, they feel again like they know you, he's approachable. So hey, I'm just gonna walk right up and ask him for a picture all the time. Yeah. But when, when you were working at like Stingery or Bar West, anybody ever like recognize you and like you know, Mm-mm. you get some idiots to like try to test you or anything like that? No, never. <laughs> never ever. That's That's surprising. Good. Yeah. It's weird, man. People, people like they wreck it. I guess now it's probably a little different. But when I was working there, they just thought, "Oh, this dude kind of looks like somebody." Mm. They never thought it was the guy. You know what I mean? Plus, most of them have been drinking probably too. That yeah. they're like seeing two of him, two or three. Like, the, the only guy, guy the, the only the person that ever <laughs> kind of walked down that path. So one night, uh, Diego Sanchez came in, right? Yeah. And uh, so Chris Martin, you guys know Chris Martin, yep. yeah, you know Chris Martin. Chris Martin's like, oh, we have a guy here who fights too, right? And so he's like, oh, I was working the patio that night. So he sends him out in the patio. He's like, hey, y'all, yeah, I hear you fight. I was like, yeah, man, I uh, I fight and you know I wrestled in school and da 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 da. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Congratulations on all your success. And uh, he says, oh, thanks, man. And um, 
you know, I'd love to train with you. I was like, oh, great. That, that'd be cool. And, and he's like, ah, oh, man. You know, the thing about wrestlers, they just don't work hard. I was like, I, I've actually, <laughs> oh, shit. I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard that about wrestlers. <laughs> like I've heard lots of things. Yeah. That's maybe they go too hard. Never. They don't work hard. Like I was like, I don't. He okay. says this knowing you're from a wrestling background. Yeah. 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 I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm well that, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, some of the wrestlers you might've been working with probably not that good, but I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not bad at wrestling. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I was a four time all American or whatever. National champ. Whatever. Or whatever. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No big, no big you just deal, slide it you know? in like that, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, for real." But I think he really thought I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "No, man." No, no. Did he come train? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. So <laughs> he, he he goes. Well, I, I tell you what. You know, if you want, you know, we we should train together, and uh, I tell you what we'll do. I don't think you could get a takedown on me, and I was like, "Man, no." I really, I really wrestled now, <laughs> and oh, he's like, I, I say we, we film it and then we put it on YouTube. Oh shit! And I'm like, listen, Diego, was he on champagne and drinking? And- oh, he's I'm like, he's so, alive. He and, and I'm like, and, and I'm like, I'm working, so I, no matter what, I'm trying to like be super respectful. I'm never going to tell this guy right anything, anything like aggressive. I'm just like, man. No, I, I I'm serious. I was a national champion at Penn State. You know, it's a big school. Have you, you know, uh, look it up? Yeah, <laughs> Google it while you're on YouTube. You know, <laughs> yeah, check me out. You know, and uh, he's like, no, I don't think it matters. I'm like, you know, you you fought this guy who was a national champ named, uh, gosh. Uh, Josh Koscheck, and he took you down and beat you up. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like, I don't know, man. And I'm much bigger, bigger than, than you. Him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And him. Yeah, I got like 50 pounds on him. Like, oh, my God. What? Where is this coming from? <laughs> Who was telling you that I want to do that? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking this is a joke that, like, Chris set up, which is. We'll I can see Chris doing that. Yeah, I can see Chris doing that. Would totally be hit him where it hurts. Go hit him where it hurts. Yeah, would totally be. And they have the script and everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Nikki Smalls, you know Nikki Smalls. Oh, yeah. Very well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- this is like that right. Like a, it does sound like a setup. It does. This is uh, right out of their playbook. Yeah. Right out of their playbook. And this is just Diego. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. Wow. So <laughs> anywho, uh, I think probably like a year later, um. We were on the same fight card, and we passed each other, like, backstage, whatever. And I was like, yeah. just kind of say what up, you know? Not even, like, a full hello, just, <laughs> I don't think he ever put it together. No. I don't think he ever put it together. I was like, man, this dude's wild. So it never went it never, never went, went down. down. Never oh, went down. Man, I was gonna say that's the first thing I'm on YouTube uh, after this. <laughs> He's so funny, though. It like, might not be too late. I, it I might not you, be too late. It might not be. <laughs> I, I I tell you what, though, I respect him, though, because that was just him. That was just Diego. Like, he was ready to challenge anybody, anytime, anywhere yeah, else. Like, I mean, mantra, man. No? I mean, he's, that's his mantra. No, he's he's mantra. zero to 100. There's no in-between. Yeah. That guy's as hot as they get, hothead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. Especially so, so, at that time. So that was not, even yeah. before. That's not too surprising. Yeah. That was even before yes, you know? Yeah. So he, he was... He was he, I was like, man, he's a full time. He goes like, wow. he, I, was, I respect that actually. That's crazy. Yeah, true. <laughs> Doesn't true. matter how big. Not, not wrestling my ass. No, no. 
Talk, we'll put it on about, YouTube. Talking about security stories, was there ever a time where you had to like break up a fight and somebody tried to like square off with you and you were just like, come on? No. Mm-mm. Uh, not really. You know, when there was a fight, you just kind of like grab him, haul him out. If he, people kind of feel like, oh, hey, whoa, who is this guy? Um, then they kind of like start acting sensible. Mm-hmm. You know what's what's funny about that though, and he's an alliance guy. Is Nick Piedmont? Yeah, uh, he was a guard of ours over at uh, at the hotel for yeah, a while. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing it one time, and I think all the other guards kind of knew when shit really hits the fan. Like Nick, Nick goes in, <laughs> and it was inside one of our cabanas, and it was like a bachelor party, so it was all dudes in there, mm-hmm. and normal shit. They got into it with the guys next to them. Mm-hmm. Shit broke out in a little confined space in the cabana. I see, like, you'd think all the guards, oh, no, just Nick went right in it. And next thing you see him, it looked like a scene from a movie. He's got one guy in, a, in like, a headlock, and he's telling the guys, like, pointing them like they're children, back off. Like, everybody back off, and it was just pulling the one guy out, and nobody fucked with him. And it happened, <laughs> It happened like, it was this fast, because we looked. Before, like, anything on the radio, anybody could go, Nick's in there, has got him, and he's, like, mounted like a gargoyle up on the fucking couches, pointing at everybody, don't fucking do anything. And the guy's <laughs> so, the guy went from, the guy went from, like, up here talking shit to now he's in a chokehold, like, a, he looked like a little kid, like, oh, fuck, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, I think he had a couple of stories like that, because afterwards, and we became buddies afterwards, I asked him, like, bro, is that, is that normal? Like, is, do you guys have a code or, like, uh, that you call, like, Nick? Take take the reins. And he's like, nah, it's not that normal, but fucking awesome to watch. <laughs> yeah, Nick's Nick's like my uh, he's he's my ace. He and I travel travel the world together. I don't go anywhere without Nick. Yeah, he yeah. He, he travels with a lot of the guys too, huh? Yeah. What what about what about? He's him? my guy. Yeah. Well, I was gonna he, say I, he travels with them sometimes. He's <laughs> my guy. What about him? Is like when you have like a go to guy that you bring. Uh, on the road or two fights with you what is, what is it about him or like anybody else that does travel with you that sets him apart that like i have to have this guy um uh so it, it very at the the very beginning of it uh, it has to be somebody that will not get on your damn nerves uh when you're trying to get ready for something well, let's just say it's your your wedding and most people can relate to that you even if you haven't actually been married yet it's like oh you know you don't want any stress you know, uh, your, your mom, your dad, your other family, your aunt, uncle, they're going to come with some bull crap. And you just, uh, you need somebody to like deflect. Oh, you know what? Uh, so and so has that. Yeah. Go, 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 go. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you need that person. And, and so he, he's good at uh, just, you know, we can, we, can, we can be anywhere and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people would just, uh, whether it's just personality, you just, it's one mm-hmm. of those people that are just high strung. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will just <laughs> get on your nerves. And yeah. You just need to be like. It's probably the last thing you want. The last thing yeah. you want. You just need somebody who beats chill and um, somebody that compliments you. But also, he's a, he's a great training partner. Mm. So um, uh, a lot of times training partners are your size or, you know, whatever. But, he, you know, he and I get great drills. I feel like I, he's giving me a realistic look. He can. Play someone else's style. He's good at like you know we call it catfishing. Mm. Uh, you know he he can be someone else. Uh, he can fight like a you know six five guy, kind of move around, dance like that guy, or he can be somebody else. You know he, mm-hmm. he, he's a good role player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a good he has a good <laughs> fight IQ. Um, we just all around just all around mesh well, and drive well. That's so, cool. Yeah. 
Makes sense. Um, fast forward back to to the UFC days. I mean, we got a little bit sidetracked there with all the good stories. But uh, back to the UFC, um, you had 15 fights, right, in the mm-hmm. UFC. Uh, I think you only had like two, three losses. And you mm-hmm. fought all the high-level talent. Eventually, you know, contracts, you know, business side of things took over. You ended up making the switch to Bellator. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you went over there, I feel like everybody was gunning for you. You were like the hot free agent signing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gunning for you right off the bat. You had like King Mo, you know, calling you out and stuff like that. Was there? A, it, it, was it just back to business? Same thing. Go in there and clean out, you know, your division. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, those guys are gunning for me because I'm the new guy in school, so to speak. And uh, I'm gunning for them because, um, you know. I want to be the, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's got to be like a different situation. Everywhere you went before that, you know, in high school and college, you weren't the guy. Sure, 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 yeah. sure. UFC, same thing. You're a hot prospect. You're coming in. You're going over to Bellator. You're the guy. I mean, they, they, they touted you as the big free agent signing, which you were. And like I said, everybody's going for you. So is it a different mentality? You got to, you know, you got to approach things differently or is it just the same thing? No way. Business as usual. Business mm-hmm. as usual. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, what I love about Bellator, my, my first fight in, um, we did a a four-man tournament. Um, four four guys, two fights in one night. Mm-hmm. In the winter, uh, you know, well, it's the tournament champion. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be real good. And uh, so the first guy I fought was uh, Emmanuel Newton. He was... Uh, Bellator's light heavyweight champion, uh, probably like four or five time defending champion. Yeah. Um, does a lot of like unorthodox spinning stuff. He's like a taekwondo, um, kempo, karate, all the all that that stuff is it. it they're untraditional strikes. They're right. kind of weird, but he's really good at it. And um, I was like, okay, you know. And also there was. Litton Vassell, who's like a, he's just an all-around horse, um, King Mo, and myself. So those guys in a four-man tournament, I was like, oh, it's gonna be, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, man, that it was, it was awesome. It was a, a great uh, fan experience. Um, the the tournament was, and uh, I had two first-round finishes. I mean, it's great winning one fight, but it's awesome winning two fights in the same <laughs> night. Like, Especially <laughs> one night. I mean, that's one crazy. night. That's, do they still do those? Um, so I, I know they did the heavyweight. Not one, in the same night. Not the same night. They were doing the yeah. tournament. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. How do you approach that? Two different guys, two different opponents. I mean, you don't even know who your second opponent is going to be. Um, yeah. So I'll tell you what I did, and this this is this is. Proof that what I'm telling you guys is not a lie. I'm 100% truthful. So, first round, uh, I get a, a first round submission on the former Bellator uh, light heavyweight champion, uh, Emmanuel Newton. Uh, I get him one of my a signature Kimuras. Boom, finish him. I, I had already in my head, I had practiced this moment mm-hmm. because what you need to know to be. Uh, in one of those situations is, yeah, you won the first fight, but you have to mentally prepare yourself to not celebrate that moment at all. 
Mm-hmm. It's not important. So what you won? You were supposed to win. You have to win again or none of it. You, you go home one and one, you still feel like a loser. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? True. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no going one. Well, at least I won one of them. No. You're a loser. That's it. So for <laughs> me, <laughs> for me, it was important to not even celebrate the first win and completely block it out. Woo. Kind of get my hand raised. And going to the bat, completely, immediately focused, immediately focused on the next fight. And one of my guys kind of pointed it out afterwards because he he was in the ring with me. He was one of my cornermen. He's like, you know, you were so stoic after you beat Emmanuel Newton. You just, it seemed like you were somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it, I was like, I was somewhere else. I was, get, I was getting ready for that next fight. There was no... No celebration because you know this is what happens again. Back to that the, the parabola. If you celebrate that, there is no way to get back over to this side mm-hmm. of ready to go. If you celebrate that win, you're down here. You're 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 on your way to the bar to have a to have a beer. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get you back ready. And I just refuse to be like happy or enjoying as. It means to start rolling out, stretching, getting ready for the next one. And uh, it emotionally, even for the guys who go out and get a 10-second knockout or uh, a first-round, one-minute submission, I'm telling you, when you get to the back, you still somehow feel not so much pain like you hurt something, but extremely like like drained like you yeah. like you were out there for 25 minutes like you just mm-hmm. did a title fight mm-hmm. there's no way to there's no way to stop that once you tell yourself oh, i'm done i'm done for the night like then you are you're done for the night and i just didn't want to relive that moment now the second time i won <clears throat> i was uh i got the belt i was excited i didn't even know i was getting a belt they put the belt around me i was like yeah this is awesome uh and then i can enjoy the night and then mm-hmm. I could, uh, you know, be myself, but not before that moment. Mm-hmm. Did you suffer any injuries in the first fight that you had to carry into the second one? No, no, no nothing. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm, curi- I'm curious about, just going off on a little tangent, you're talking about how mentally preparing for fights, um, you kind of go through all the different scenarios in your head. Talking more from like a practicality standpoint, what is what does that look like? So for somebody watching or listening right now, mm-hmm. and they want to try implementing this in their life, what does that look like for you as far as like you sit down like in a dark room? Do you put like music on or like what does that look like? Um, so I would say with a notebook, uh, sometimes I do it with music, but every now and then music takes me a little bit too far away from what I want to do. Um, I just sit back and uh, I'll just imagine you know, how the start of the fight's going to go. What if he does this? What if he does that? And occasionally, if you're being honest with yourself, you'll say, hmm, I, I've actually seen him do that, you know, spinning heel hook kick or triangle. And I don't know what to do in that situation. If mm-hmm. you're truthful, you'll, I, I like to write that down and just make note of it and, and then try to get that information from my coaches. Like, hey, what do you do if somebody tries to, you know, throw a spinning kick? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and at some level, when you watch another guy, you might say, 
that'll never work on me. Or you'll say, uh, well, it looks kind of crazy. It looks kind of dangerous. But if you haven't actually gone through the action steps of how to prepare yourself against it, like it's it's good for that. It's good for that. So I'll just kind of, you know, sit back in my chair and just daydream. I don't even need to close my eyes, at least not at this point, and just walk through what, what can possibly happen. You know, uh, I'll walk through whether I won, whether I lost the first round, you know, what my coaches might say, how I'd go out and make those adjustments. You know, imagine how I would feel coming back out, renewed, refreshed. Aha, you thought you were going to get me, but my coaches just told me how to beat you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I run through that. Yeah. And it's silly, but in the moment when it happens, that's how you capture someone's momentum. Mm-hmm. Because momentum doesn't actually exist until it does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a real tangible force. Mm-hmm. And guys can be 50-50, but when someone steals the momentum of a fight, you know it, he knows it, the announcers know it, the crowd knows it. It's a real thing now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just walk through everything. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting momentum. I like that. It's a, like a transfer of energy almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you, so you said the crowd knows it, announcer knows it, fans know it, but do you, do you know it when you're in there? When the momentum's stolen on if you're the one that's stolen it or if you're the one that's that's Lost on it. the other side of it do you know in the in the ring most times yeah most times is it i mean i don't know if it still is at this point it, was it a scary feeling when you felt the momentum switch and you were on the opposite end of it well that's the thing uh again like i said with my affirmations it's a lot real um real truthful things and then there's times that aren't necessarily truthful Mm -hmm. but you have to tell yourself Mm -hmm. you have to tell them to yourself you have to can you give us an example of that yeah so back to his example about momentum when you when you feel the momentum shift and you are now on the losing end and you feel that the other guy is coming at you you just need one big move Mm -hmm. or one big strike and then it's all gone and at that point he's vulnerable to, to completely losing it all. There's only one thing worse than losing a fight, and that's thinking you're going to win this fight and going balls out, and next thing you know, you're losing the fight. And mentally, it's harder to come back from that. Mm-hmm. You know, you see guys thinking, like, uh, they'll get a guy, and they think they're about to TKO, so they're going as hard as they can, and if they don't get it, then they start losing. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to come back from that. So when I'm on the... The losing end of momentum, I I try to keep my my calm and my focus to the situation and look for that one thing that turns it around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I ah, got you. You thought you were going to win? <laughs> oh, that was cute. That was cute. Oh, look at you now. And, and that's it. And now I now I've got my momentum and and I'm I've turned the tables on them. Do you, do you think having that IQ, like the fight IQ and all the stuff you're talking about in the, the ring, do you feel like you're levels above people in the, just in the normal day-to-day outside world and it kind of plays into that? Because I, f- I feel like all the stuff you're describing, that just is, you're sharpening the sword in ways most people can't do or they got to mm. find really uh, unorthodox ways to, to do what you're describing. Do you feel like you're kind of, your IQ is above, you're just on, on walking around outside of the ring? Absolutely. 
Uh, you know, and it, a lot of it is, um, it's, it's just, um, from, it's just competition experience, mm-hmm. um, where I think I'm, I exceeded guys in, in mixed martial arts. It's just having so many one-on-one wrestling matches. Um, True. I mean, uh, probably thousands and each time it's just me and you. And a lot of times I'm wrestling overseas or out of state. If you're wrestling in Iowa at in a Carver Hawkeye arena, you better expect to get cheated. You better expect to not get a call. And you have to be ready for the fan. Obviously, the fans are, you know, they're, they're noisy. They're, they're reckless. All the good things you will want. And you have to be ready to completely... Shut out the crowd, silence the crowd, do what you need to do, and and not allow all those external factors. And then when you transfer that into fighting, um, it's simple things like how to capture that momentum, how to take a guy's hope away. A lot of times getting a, a submission victory is about tell, making sure the other guy knows if he stays in this fight, there's not a chance that he's going to win. So when he starts to feel pain on one of his limbs, it's not, ah, shit, I keep going. Is he actually going to break my arm? It's, yeah, he pretty much is going to break my arm. (laughs) And if I get out, he's still going to beat my ass. You know? Yeah. There's not a a good win. So now I'll tap because you've gotten me. Yeah. You know, you have to take away those sort of things, those, that, that part of competition my my wrestling coaches were really big on breaking a guy, just taking all of the ways he's going to win and just taking it away from him. He's, mm. He doesn't even stand a, a long shot. He doesn't have a, a snowball's chance in hell. You don't got a snowball. <laughs> you don't got a snowball. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so it is creating that creating that mindset. That part uh, of competition is is it's critical for the top level athletes to have, and most of them have had some, they either have it naturally or they've heard about it and they've cultivated over time. But that, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. I, I, I think we're, so I think we're kind of coming close to the end. I wanted to definitely catch up on, on today. Like where, yeah, I know you're, you're in camp, like you're training for a fight right now, aren't mm-hmm. you? Uh, when, where, what's, uh, I guess, bring everybody up to speed to, to today sitting here well are we live are we live are we live no. not live <laughs> so not live all right well, okay uh well three, if I has three weeks it will be we'll be live three weeks from now three weeks from now yeah okay yeah well probably yeah uh so october 28th at um mohegan sun casino it will be bellator 240 don't worry about the numbers don't worry about the numbers <laughs> it's bellator okay <laughs> just just tune in uh this is uh, october 25th yeah, at Mohegan Sun Casino. So that's Connecticut, right? Yes, yeah. sir. Oh, nice, Connecticut. You know your opponent? I do. It's a, a young Swedish guy named uh, Carl Albertson. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So you're are you full on camp started now? Oh yeah. Nice. <clears throat> you had your last fight was on uh, April. Is this, has this been your longest layoff? Uh, aside from the PCL injury, is this your longest layoff since? No, actually, um, I fight about twice a year now mm-hmm. in Bellator. And uh, it's really great 
um, it's a uh, it's a speed that has allowed me to learn and grow so much in between fights. It's crazy. Um, going back to my first fight, uh, my first year in the UFC, um, I ended up getting better just by you know time and osmosis, but in experience, but. As far as perfecting skills, when you have that many fights, you're just going from training camp to training camp. And I'm preparing. Once you're in training camp, I'm worried about beating this guy. Mm -hmm. And and you're not worried about how to, you know, fine-tune your skill set. And uh, and so when when I have, you know, a uh, eight-week two-month training camp, get ready for a fight. And then the next three weeks following a fight, I, I try to give myself as much time as I possibly need to like catch up on things at the deli, make sure everything's running the way it's supposed to, uh, spend some extra time with the kids and the wife, um, catch up on the rest of the, the life and relationships that I've missed when I'm like intense in my training right. camp. Returning a bunch of phone calls and text messages, get mm-hmm. caught up on that stuff. And and then, you know, the next four or five months, I can just spend time working on whatever is whatever I need to work on. And mm-hmm. that part of the training is, man, it's, it's so much different when you can uh, work on a skill without a, a set date in mind. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure. There's just how many wins do you feel you're away from getting back to you know fighting for your title again. Um, I don't really necessarily think it's a number of wins. Uh, after this fight, it could be the next fight for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, so the champion is also the champion at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So Bader, he has right? to defend both Bader. Bader, both yeah. belts there. Mm-hmm. Has so, he defended it at light yet? He hasn't. Yeah, because he's been all caught up in... No, uh, he's been defended it once. Uh, that was a while ago, though. It was a while. He... Mm. So... Have you have you fought Bader? I fought him twice. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's history. There's history. And he's, there's history. He's, he's a wrestler. He's a wrestler. Yeah. ASU. Once in each promotion. Yep. <laughs> ASU, no big deal. Not yeah. saying Oh, anything, but, uh, my God. I walked right into it. I don't know if you saw the logo on Set my Tumblr up. cup here, but it's still got the ASU <laughs> okay. logo on here. All right. But no big deal. No big no. deal. All right. All right. Uh, we, we always like to ask everybody, as, as kind of like the summary, um, if they were to give advice to someone out there, because I feel like the, the population of guys and girls who are trying to get into the sport you're doing yeah. is only growing. Yeah. Um, the competition's growing. You're not competing like against people across the world, which is a, mm-hmm. an insane thing to wrap your head around. Yeah, and you've hit like the pinnacle state. You, you're you're at the you've been at the top of the the mountain or the where they're going. Uh, is there any like cliff notes or short advice you give someone who's maybe getting into their first fight, maybe just starting in the weeds, as so to speak? Yeah. Um, that that you think is like a, a great generalized piece of advice for someone getting into the sport. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, just take your time. Like there's, there's no rush. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, if you're, if you're in school, I would say wrestle as much as possible. That's the only thing I've heard from, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the the guys in the, the biggest organizations is that they wish they can go back to junior high, high school 
and have some wrestling experience because it is a skill unlike anything else. Um, you you can learn boxing much easier than you can learn wrestling. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just not easily picked mm-hmm. up. It's, it's a lot of nuance. It's a lot of fine-tuning. When you move left, I move right. And then I move left again. Mm-hmm. And there's no real rules. It's just ha- it all happens in a blink of an eye. And then you're totally. on your ground. So um, wrestle as much as you possibly can. Um, Anything on like the personal side of it. So like outside of the training, the gym, if someone's like just barely scratching the surface getting started. Yeah. You know, like the um, personal habit, the good habits, the I would say, you know, as, as often as you can. Every morning, you should do something. Uh, I think just having that um, that clarity first thing in the morning. You're you're chasing a dream, whether it's a run, whether you go hit the bag in the morning, whether it's um, what whatever, whatever you can do. If you have to be at work at eight, get up at six. If you have to be at work at six, get up at three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just and I I like it early because I feel like that is just that's vision casting for the rest of my day. Mm. Uh, you know I I know that I got up at six or I'll get up at four and I'll go I'll go hiking. I just I need my alone time and uh, that also helps me clear my head. And I'll I'll do that either run or hike. And now I'm like cool like. I, I feel centered for the rest of my day. Uh, and then and as that day goes on, you know, if there, there's some stuff that's going to draw me away from, from fighting, doing what I got up at 4 a.m. to do, um, I'm just a little bit sharper at turning down those ideas because I've already cast my day towards my goal, mm. if that makes sense. No, it does. That's awesome, man. Well, this was great. I think this was, a, it was an awesome pod. Thanks again for being on. Uh, hope I hope I could add some value. Oh, definitely Absolutely, added man. definitely added value. I think this is probably one of the more times we've laughed through the podcast. But that's always a good thing. So, um, and also good luck on the fight. Um, I'm sure we'll be in, in close touch. We, we come across each other down at uh, yeah. Adrian's spot down I'll there. So social media. Where can everybody follow you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at um, on Instagram um, at Phil MRW. On Twitter at Phil Mr. Wonderful and Facebook Phil Davis. Oh, we can't sign off yet until we get Mr. Wonderful. Where does that come from? Oh, you do that last. You can't do that last. <laughs> well, hey, that's a valid point. That's where did that come point. from? Yeah, where? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a long story. <laughs> yeah, man. I had to be, ask. It's got to be the perfect ending. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, I had a roommate in college, and he bought this damn cat. And I'm allergic to cats, but that didn't matter. He got a cat anyway. And then he he foisted this cat upon me because I I actually loved the cat. <laughs> and and so his name was Mister Wonderful. And <laughs> wait, the cat's name was Mr. yeah. He's a good cat, man. And, and, and the cat, man, this cat was cool, man. He's one of those like. You know, if he was if he was like a a, a person, he'd be like just just one of those like real chill cat. Like he can, he's just cool, man. <laughs> Anyhow, cat was kind of he was like more like a dog. You know, you you tell him stuff, and he's like, no, like he's cool, <laughs> like, he's cool. Like, 
Anyhow, so I had my I was away traveling my wrestling team, and um, my roommate had this party, and uh, he doesn't know what happened to the cat. Now I know the cat, okay? <laughs> I know the cat. He he's not crazy. He would he would go out. This is during the winter time. He would go out and he would you know just get his paws wet in the snow, chill out, you know, come back in. I know the cat. Like, he wouldn't get lost out in the cold. Like, anyhow. So, the cat was gone. We joked about, you know, what happened to the cat. Because, you know, uh, maybe somebody stole him. And a cat burglar, whatever. (laughs) Like, it's all these things. Anyhow. So, flash forward to when uh, I was starting to fight. And um, and pretty much everybody has a nickname. And, you know, you got guys like Rampage Jackson or the Axe Murderer Mm -hmm. or freaking whatever, whoever the guy is. And I'm not one of those guys. Mm -mm. Not even close. And I didn't even want to sell it to nobody because you wouldn't buy it. And I I, I would would sell it. I just, I can't, I'm not an Axe Murderer. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Not like. So you know that just seemed like the reasonable conclusion, just to like keep keep the name alive. It's a tribute. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tribute, tribute to the cat. Yeah. I did not see that story that's going that hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> and just for the record, how many people know that that's where the name come from? A lot, or oh, yeah, everybody asks. Oh, okay, well, gotta ask. Solid, solid. All right, yeah, right there. All right, well, see, that's a perfect sign off. You know, yeah, that was definitely definitely Phil, Mister Wonderful Davis. Maybe <laughs> the cat will see this podcast. <laughs> maybe if you're out there, maybe this is how you reconnect. Right. Oh my. Right. <laughs> We're bringing back, and you know what's crazy? Because people ask me, "Oh, you, do you have a picture of your cat?" I was like, "Man, this is this is before people make cat pages." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> back then, you know, you couldn't tell somebody in 2005 to make a cat page. That's uh, weird, dog. What are you talking about? Now You're it's per- like expected. That's yes. the first thing you do. It's crazy. Yes, it's crazy. I was talked into doing it, and it immediately dropped off. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> you love it. You love it's it. still alive out there you somewhere for my it. dog's page. But never caught, never caught any traction. Yeah, never caught any traction. That's funny. Awesome, man. <laughs> Well, thanks again for coming. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it.